welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Hey everybody, uh, before I officially kick off this next podcast, I actually wanted to come on and do a little bit better job with my lead-in. Um, I started this podcast this morning with my good buddy EJ and didn't really do a good enough job uh, giving him a formal introduction and also uh, really introducing um, why I really wanted this podcast to happen with EJ and I. So um, for those of you who haven't heard EJ in previous podcasts, um, which they were normally all archery or hunting oriented, um, especially on the mental um, and technical side of things, because EJ is is one of Golf Magazine's top 100 teachers in America, I think for over 10 years, I believe. And, you know, he works with some of the, some of the nation's you know, most famous golf teachers and some professionals around the world. He's been on the Golf Channel. Um, you know, he was formerly a master instructor um, with the Jim McLean Golf Academy. Um, but, you know, equal to that, um, he's played professionally on the tour and he's a um, former individual NCAA national champion. So um, he's just an awesome dude. He's so transparent, which is really why I like him so much. And um, EJ was really, really passionate about um, really learning more about wildlife management and specifically deer management. And I didn't realize how serious and passionate he was about this until we hunted together um, about a year ago and we got on this subject and he started talking to me about these products that he was doing and I really didn't even know about it because it was off the grid you know it wasn't it's not a mainstream company at this point and you know I pretty much told him to you know to to get me some of the stuff to try to educate me to walk me through it let me try it and then if it ended up being something that I felt like I really wanted to share with all of you out there that I would do that. And that's really the point that we're at right now is um, this is a fascinating subject to me specifically because I'm really, I'm really at the point in my life now where it's not just about having a place to hunt and going out and being able to get a shot. It's really about establishing this place that or places that I can go where I experience wildlife, I see wildlife, I really don't have to worry so much about, you know, whether I have one buck there that's going to be a shooter or, you know, whether I'll see a deer at all on the stand. You know, all these things for me, it just, it seems like when I was younger, um, I first started hunting, I just wanted to go out, I wanted to see something, I wanted to get a shot. Now it's got to the point where I'm really starting to put a lot of my personal time and energy into grooming places and really making places that are special to me. But also when I host a hunt, like what I did last week with my friends, I'm able to take them and we went on a variety of different places where I have uh, permission to hunt or, you know, I've got a small place of my own. Um, on these places, you know, I want to be able to make sure wherever we go, we have a great experience and people get to appreciate wildlife 
um, and everything's healthy and that sort of thing. So um, these products that EJ has right now, I really want to to do my part in helping him um, establish this and get his message out. And in the future, I can promise you that um, he has a lot of scientific research behind this, and he's he's offered to get me access to um, some of the leading biologists in really in the world on specifics to some of these things, um, which I plan to do in the future. So this is kind of a you know an environment um, outdoor habitat slash uh, wildlife type episode more so than um, archery instruction. But at the end, uh, we do talk a little bit of barbecue and uh, get a little bit geeked out about that and then even get into a little bit of golf too. So hopefully you enjoyed this podcast uh, as much as I did. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to another Knock On Podcast. Um, This is going to be a pretty good one. I've been wanting this one for quite a while now, but I've been, my brain's been in other places. But um, I've got my good buddy EJ with me again. And uh, this time... I'm going to make you talk about stuff that you and I have been talking about for a while now, EJ. Is that going to be okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's probably the right time of year. There's a lot of stuff going on um, yeah. in, the, in the wildlife. And, and for true deer managers, I mean, for us, it's, it's getting that time where we're watching soil temps, doing some soil prep, getting seed ready. You know, everyone's done burning. Um, horns are growing. You know, the fawns are getting ready to drop in probably a um, couple weeks. So, yeah, from a from a manager's perspective and most of the people that listen to you, I'm sure it's a real busy time now that the turkey season's winding down. Oh, yeah. And EJ, um, for those of you who haven't listed or listened to previous podcasts, I guess I just assume that EJ is um, one of the leading uh, golf coaches in the world. Um, I forget what your streak is for being voted one of the, is it the top hundred, top hundred for golf digest? Yeah, golf, golf, yeah, golf magazine top hundred since uh, two oh nine. Yeah, that's awesome. And you're you and I have very similar ways of, or methodology, I should say, of of imprinting students and and uh, you know you and I have had that. Archery is a common denominator for quite a while. We actually met years ago because our really good friend Eric Gudgel connected us because you wanted some archery lessons. And did I want some golf lessons? Did I like? Did I swing it all in front of you, or did we not have time? No, not yet. We haven't ventured down that road yet. You haven't revealed it to me yet. I guess there's like a, a revealing party at some point where I get to watch you hit a few. <laughs> Damn. You know what? Um, what's awesome is um, I've got several friends that are really good golfers, which kind of sucks for me because I'm not a good golfer. So I'm I'm kind of happy I have um, some of my newer friends that I've found, some of my UFC buddies. I don't they're more hacks like me. So I wouldn't, I'd probably kind of try yeah. to, I'd try to blend in in a group setting. But, um, the one thing, <laughs> the one thing, the one thing that you and I started talking about, uh, this has been, this has been quite a while ago to listeners, but I really want to get into this because like EJ said, um, the timing is really, really critical right now. And I really feel like a huge part of, 
what I enjoy doing or the biggest part of what I enjoy doing is being able to educate and bring to light new information regarding not just archery. I mean, I know at first when I started the podcast, I was super, um, I was, I just really felt like I should only be super focused on just the instruction part and the in-depth part, but you know, through, um, making new friends and, and, uh, you know, kind of running some of these subjects by, uh, Rogan, cause obviously he's kind of the podcast master. Um, he just kind of said, dude, any of that stuff, your listeners are going to geek out on it because, you know, if you're geeking out, they're going to geek out. And this is something that I'm geeking out on. Um, I've actually partnered with EJ on this venture to really develop, um, a super, super, um, technologically advanced supplement and, um, you know, just a method of really maximizing your deer because the truth is, um, I, I would say over the course of, and I'm going to, I'm going to lead in here for a minute, EJ, just because I want people to know where I come from. You know, I came from, Mm -hmm. from getting permission, hunting on other people's property where I had permission to hunt there. And, and eventually over time they gave me, you know, they gave me some leeway to, you know, set up cameras or depending on certain states where, you know, some states you just, you really have to feed. Um, you know, sometimes I would set something like that up, but then once I, um, won my first tournament and bought my first piece of property, which was 2.9 acres, um, I actually really started to focus on how, how do I, how am I able to, to get, fill my tag on a 2.9 acre piece of property, which I did. And then after a few years, once I was into my twenties, I actually bought a 10 acre uh, piece of property where I lived for um, about five years and I shot um, three Pope and young deer in a row off 10 acres. And I was surrounded by um, landowners with massive amounts of property. And I, I shot like the deer that they were after every single year. And it really came down to, you know, figuring out what's this one little piece of the puzzle that the animals really want that my neighbors don't have. And then you find that piece of the puzzle and it, and it kind of all starts to play out. Now in the past, this has been your passion. I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you, um, go with this in a minute, but you had it on a whole new level. I mean, when you and I started talking, um, at a hunting camp, um, well, it's probably dang near a year ago. Now you started like getting into all this. I was just looking at you like, dude, I thought you were a golf guy and you're like, this is what, this is what I really love. Like, this is what I'm really into. And then when, when you started talking to me about it, I'm just like, dude, I'm all in, like, I'm all in, let's do this. And, um, I actually got to the point where I do own some acreage here in Iowa. I don't, I wouldn't say I own a lot. I'm definitely not like a Lee Lukoski or a, or a, you know, I'm not like Winky. I'm not like a Lakoski. I'm not like a jury. I'm nothing like that. 
but I'm trying to still figure out what's the best way for me to maximize one, my growth, but also my opportunity. But more importantly than that, and this was something that actually when, when Rogan came here or when my turkey hunters were here, they just really got a whole new appreciation for the fact that I put a lot of effort into making sure I have a very healthy um, outdoor game population and pretty much I just really like a whole ecosystem even though I don't hunt pheasants I don't hunt quail I've got pheasants I've got quail I you know build different CRP programs for nesting I do edge feathering I do hinge cutting you know I do all this stuff that just helps develop habitat and on top of all that is really this new um this new project that ej's going down that i just told you i said man i believe in this and if you're this passionate about it i want to get i want to get your message out there and i want to i want to get all the viewers out there understanding kind of where you were going with this and how they can benefit from it so i guess with that i'm gonna let you take over and talk about you know, kind of how this whole thing started and then, you know, obviously what we can do. Um, and I don't want this to be, sorry, I don't want this to be a, um, a sales pitch, so to speak. I want you guys, this is going to be an educational, um, curve and EJ has access to some of the, the most brilliant, um, wildlife biologists and especially deer biologists that have, um, helped him with a lot of scientific research. So we're going to, I'm going to, in the future, I'm definitely going to have those people on. And this is going to be a continuing project. The reason why I'm starting this podcast today and letting EJ, you know, talk is because I've already been sold. I'm making this investment myself and I'm going to document this. And actually, um, me, you, and a couple of our friends actually leased a place down in Oklahoma where we're going to fully implement this and i'm going to actually have some cameras and documentation out to where people can follow along with just how well this works and you know i guess it's important to say remember make sure you know what your your guidelines are in your state when it comes to whether or not you can supplement deer you know i'm not talking i'm not really talking about baiting you know i'm talking about year-round health for your deer and if you provide those things year round, this is going to quickly escalate into a, you know, better opportunities, better deer. Um, but more importantly, you know, like when you and I talked, I wanted to make sure there were products that the listeners that I have, um, are going to be able to go out and do. And I feel like I'm, I'm in that price range where I do spend, um, on making sure I maximize my, you know, what property I have. Um, but I'm also not, you know, going and, and bringing in, you know, 20, 40,000 pounds of feed every couple months or whatever, like, like some people do. So, um, I think this is a great in between and I think this is going to be really cool. Hopefully you, uh, bring up some of the stuff that kind of, you know, made my eyeballs pop out when, when we talked about this. So go for it. Well, through, through, like I've told you before, the, through the avenue of golf, um, it's blessed me and put me in front of a lot of successful people. 
And um, about six years ago, one of the clients, I was traveling down about 180 days a year teaching golf through the various tours, the PGA Senior Tour and the LPGA and corporate outings. And my kids were at a point where I really wanted to be home to be a part of their life during their, their key, you know, ages of uh, maturity and, and helping my wife. And one day, one of my customers in the golf said, hey, your business plan for golf is not very good. You only make money when you're on the lesson tee. We need to try to figure out an avenue for you to capitalize more on your knowledge. Um, what can we help you do? Should we buy a golf course? Should we build you a teaching center? Should we build you a facility to do corporate outings on your own. Um, and I really didn't want to move. And my heart wasn't moving in that direction. And um, I said, I want to get into the deer industry. He's like, what brought that on? I said, well, I've just been passionate about white tails and, and hunting and fishing in the outdoors. And it, it's done a lot for me. And when I go out and do those things, I'm in my happy place. When I play golf and hit one in the water, it really doesn't make me that happy. But I could sit in a tree stand all day and not see anything, and I feel fulfilled. And so even when I'm playing golf, I wish I was hunting or fishing because I don't feel that that anger or I, it doesn't upset me. And he said, well, what part of the deer industry? What what are you thinking? I said, I want to make a deer feed. And he said, well, let me see your business plan. So I flew back and forth to Chicago for about six or eight weeks, and they would they would go over it coming back home with more due diligence to do before they would get get behind this. So eventually they said, all right, let's go with it. Well, then from there, I, need, I knew I needed credibility immediately. So I did some research and I found Dr. Harry Jacobson, who was ahead of Mississippi State for uh, whitetail development and research for 32 years. And he manages ranches from Mexico to Long Island, New York, all different. You know, he manages high fence, low fence, fair chase, free range. You know, there's not there's not one that he's specializing. He's he knows deer habitat, you know, in in all environments. And when I sat down with him, he said, "I have yet to find a company that would do things based on what I've learned." They've all wanted to do, you know, tweak it or add their own or worried about margins. So they won't build it to the specs that I think are most beneficial. They won't follow my protein requirements, my fiber. I just can't find that company. If you do that, I'll be, I'll get behind it with you. So I told him I'm 100% in. And so Dr. Harry Jacobson uh, joined the company within a month. And then from there... He helped me understand the importance of fiber, fat levels, protein levels, when the levels of protein need to be different based on the stage of antler growth and um, pregnancy for the, for the does. And I started targeting large landowners first, um, guys that take 22 tons bulk um, every, every four to six weeks. So I knew the business plan would work if I could get to those people. Well, through golf, I already knew a lot of those people, or I knew friends of those people. So that's how I started it. Then breeders started asking me, can you build me a liquid that has immune benefit, rumen benefits to the stomach, Do you, uh, skeletal growth, 
uh, reproductive benefits. So I came up with these liquids, and it led me to meet some of these intelligent people in the industry, which from there I said, listen, I'm not interested. I'm going to try to deal direct. I'm not interested in taking that 25% margin that the middleman makes. I want to put that into the quality of the product. I don't want to compromise at all. Let's start with building the best and see if we can make it work from there. Let's not worry about margin yet, and let's just see if we can push it, and it'll grow through word of mouth. And um, I don't, I don't sell anything really. I tell the story, and the product and the business have grown just because of the story. I don't really have a sales pitch from that perspective. Of salesmanship's never been my my quality. It's the research that I crave. I, I, I love going to work every day because I get to do more research to figure out what do deer absorb better, what phase of lactation are the fawn that throw the does in, what do they require, what's their protein requirement right now, how are the bucks in the, in the antler growth, what do I need to help them, what do I need to help the, the, the semen quality in bucks during breeding time. How can I help that quality and semen last from the first doe they breed until the last doe they breed? So it's led me down this, this, this long road of continuing to learn every day, but then having the most intelligent people in the different various parts of rumen development, um, reproductive system, skeletal growth. You know, So all those people I have, and I put them together, and then they help me build a product without compromise that I know is going to be optimal for the animals. And here we are today. And then the other aha moment was about, oh, a year and a half ago, I was listening to your podcast, and it dawned on me that I need people that are craving um, knowledge because those type people will appreciate the time, the effort, and also the people that build this stuff for me are, are the best in the industry. So I need a listener to, I need that type of listener to be able to take this thing to the next level. So that's why I started with you a year, a year and a half ago, telling you the story, showing you some of the product. Most of it we haven't even launched, just still been in testing, getting results, gathering data. So that led me to you because I think your listener is the type of listener that I need listening about this product that will appreciate it because if they're not going to kill the animal, what's wrong with him putting his tongue in a, in a mineral or her, the buck or the doe, that you're going to let walk, getting a little more nutrition every time they come by or step foot on your property. They remember those things, and there's benefits to it. You as the manager let it walk, and who knows when it gets five and a half and six and a half what it can become with the right nutritional program. So that's why I'm here with you today. Yeah, well, I know that the stuff that you've, some of the different things that you've sent me that were, you know, that you've been in testing phases with, um, you know, obviously mm -hmm. I'm big into that, but, you know, some of the things that originally caught my attention, and this is important because once you start to actually, you know, I started small, I started, you know, just, Put, putting a bag of something on the ground. Then I started burying water tanks, you know, and hauling water in to, to bring water to my deer. And, you know, I've had success over that. Then, you know, I literally got my first 
you know, pull behind thing for my four wheeler and planted my first clover plot. And, you know, and now it's to the point where, you know, I've, I've went and rented the drill from the, from our conservation office. I go out, you know, I put in some different food plots with this, um, pull behind drill, um, you know, this pull behind drill that I've got. And mm-hmm. now, uh, now with you, I don't know what you're wrestling with, but it's, it's pretty loud. Um, Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I was losing my focus, but now with, you know, me growing actual grain, growing corn, growing soybeans, or even some of these food plots, I really learned pretty much learned the hard way how the soil really affects yield. And regardless of whether or not you have the right equipment or, you know, you can have the corn, you can have the ground, you can have the tractor to put it in, but if the soil isn't right, then you just don't grow a yield. And, you know, even if you're getting rain and, you know, when you and I first started talking, you started talking about this process with the mineral to where you actually customize, like you built a customized formula for um, the Oklahoma lease. And you also have a customized formula for my place here in Iowa. And that started, and I actually filmed a few of these. So I'm going to post some of these videos. Um, I'm going to post some of these videos today. um, And I'll let the, I'll let the listener be able to kind of see what we did, but more or less um, you actually go out and you take a soil sample and you submit that and then with that soil sample you know you actually get something built that has the types of things that are lacking for your wildlife and those are the things that they crave um you know it's no different than than me there's times where i can eat super super clean but i'm freaking starving afterwards and a lot of times it's just like because there's one little piece of that that you haven't had that your body's craving. So you still, it's still saying I'm hungry. Um, and for me, a lot of times it's, you know, I can have like a really clean meal where it's meat and it's vegetables. But if I haven't had any, um, any type of fat with that, a lot of times just my taste buds and my stomach isn't as satisfied as if I would have had, had an avocado with that, or if I would have had something that has some type of of fat with that, you know, a healthy fat. So, um, it's really the same way with these, with these core samples, people are actually getting a formula that's customized to them. And what you've done and what you and I, you know, what you and I have talked about doing is actually letting people submit core samples from, you know, especially my listeners sending EJ some core samples, you know, one or two plugs from your area to where we can actually establish like a special, um, like a knock on nation blend that these blends are actually regionalized to where people that are in certain areas that are lacking deficiencies in soil types of certain kinds, that's the type of mixture that you would get tailored to your particular soil size. And this, like this stuff to me is what I'm like, okay, I'm sold on this. Um, you know, you're showing me no different than the co-op shows me exactly what I'm missing in order to make my corn grow better, make my clovers finally grow. You're showing me this is the things that are missing that it's studied 
by you know some of the people like you talked about where these are elements that our whitetails have to have to maximize their growth and health overall well and two john what you're always motivated by something you don't know so i had a customer call me and he said, "I can't help but notice I wasn't doing a mineral right at the time because we were focusing on what we were good at. So we started off with the pellet, and it took me it took me a long time just to get the pre our proprietary premix for the pellet to where I felt like I was really separating myself from the competition, and I was I was doing the utmost that I could do. And I've I've learned over time. We've changed a little bit. We've added essential oils and." And stuff like that. But he said, hey, I keep getting this mineral bag, and each year I get it, it seems fluffier and fluffier and fluffier. And I said, well, Philip, that's because they're using more filler. Yeah. That's because they can get more margin if they put more ground corn and ground rice bran in there. He goes, well, they eat the tar out of it. I go, because they have to to get the mineral requirement that they need to out of that mineral. And he said, well, what can you do? And I said, I don't know. Let me think about it. So... Um, started my due diligence, and uh, some of my guys were like, if he could get us soil samples, we could figure out the deficiency of his soil. So if he's deficient in calcium, why don't we up the calcium? If he's high in zinc, why don't we lower the zinc? You know, let, let's figure out what he needs, and let's not overdo, because once again, it all comes down to what can I keep inside that animal? I don't want it excreted, because that means it didn't do anything in the in the customer's investment i don't want that thing to go out the back side i need it to stay in the system i don't need it to take them close to toxic levels because that doesn't do me any good either i don't want to threaten the life of the animal so let's build a mineral that gets the utmost absorption stays in their system and in return gives them the utmost return on their investment so he sent me the samples we sent them away and then i was like what can i use other than corn and rice brand what kind of sweeteners can I use that aren't just sweeteners? There's got to be sweeteners out there that have room and um, have have some benefit to gut health. Because if I can balance the the rumen in their gut, that's that's what it's all about. Because then I'm at maximum absorption for no matter what they eat. So rather than use corn or rice brand, I use alternatives that are yeast cultures that when they eat it, the palatability they love it. Um, they're going to eat it, but there's nutritional benefit to, to almost everything I can put in there. And, and that's, the way, that's the way I think about it. First of all, what's the, what's the best possible thing, ingredient list, that I can put together that, one, has a nutritional benefit, <clears throat> excuse me, and two, they'll like. And that's why I've been, you know, using you to bounce some of this stuff off and try and if you look at my mineral compared to the competitor, you'll look at it and think you grabbed something out of a sandbox. But it's so concentrated that if they touch their tongue to it, that's their daily requirement. They don't need two pounds of it. Yeah, that's what's um, fascinating. Because I don't have those fillers. <clears throat> yeah, I don't have any of those fillers. And my bag, when you grab my bag, it's going to, and there's no fluff to it. Um, and And like I said, I'm, I'm using cutting-edge materials um, that obviously are highly palatable that are going to stay in their system. That's the whole goal. Yeah. Well, you know, it's no different, really. I'm I'm an advocate about uh, 
eating clean. I mean, I'm a, you, actually, I, I think I, did I get you started on Onnit, Onnit products? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a, right. I'm religiously I, on all that. Yeah. I didn't know if, I didn't know if you had done it before um, you and I talked, but you know, when, no. when we were talking about this about a year ago and you were talking about how, you know, like, did you know if their stomach health is better, their absorption rates better? And you started talking about that. And I said, dude, that is exactly why I'm on the supplements that I'm on is because I feel like when my gut health is better, my overall health is better. And several, and that's why, that's why I've tried other types of supplements that I've, that I personally consume in the past. And they, they were made with fillers. They were made with synthetic things that are literally like built in a lab. And the bottom line is, you know, I feel like a freaking bloated balloon. I can't digest properly. You know, I, I end up storing a lot more water. I don't feel like I'm, you know, I definitely don't feel like I'm processing everything through myself. And, uh, you know, through the on it stuff, my gut health, you know, my reg, you know, how regular I am, how I feel, the color of my piss. I mean, so much stuff is so much more um, consistent. And then just how I overall feel every day when I wake, you know, if I wake up at 4 a.m., I feel the same, you know, being able to get sleep. All this stuff's really important. And that's, you know, it was the same thing. And that's how I sold you on, on it. I said, dude, you need to start out start out with just minimum get high quality the tpc packs just get some high quality vitamins and minerals that you take each day and see how you feel and i think you started there and then you went into the i think you went into the greens didn't you yeah yeah i went into the greens then i went into the oils (laughs) yeah the oils are the oils i'm actually uh my coffee right now is is um is pretty much coffee and mct oil and that's you know i don't even really i don't use anything else in it right now but you know this is so important because when um you and actually a good buddy of ours preston um talked about the fact that if they touch their tongue to it one time they've had what their what the scientists have told us they require for one full day i mean that's that's really important because you know you don't you really don't want them to have to come there and consume this this mass amount of stuff and the other thing too is i don't feel like some of the products that are out there that are filled with a lot of these fillers um a lot of the products you get on the you know on the shelves in a walmart or you know wherever it is um if you if you ever um open up like the stomach to those animals, which game wardens do, especially in states where they, you know, where you're not allowed to bait um, during the season, the game wardens will open the stomachs because they don't process some of that stuff very quickly. It kind of just sits in their stomach in this big glob. Um, You know, it doesn't, Mm -hmm. it doesn't really, it doesn't turn near as liquidy when it like and passes through it it pretty much stays like this big hard mass which is pretty much what i felt like um on some you know some supplements that i had tried um in the past but uh no i think that's 
are you still wanting to uh, to get some core samples sent your way? Oh well, yeah, I was going to tell you too, John. It's like um, it's no different than when you go through a grocery store. You can read a label, and like right now, our sixteen percent protein, four percent fat, and fourteen percent fiber. You can build that label, and this is this is what I've learned across the board in any industry. I can build a label to reflect those levels, but the quality of the ingredients that I use to get there can vary. So some of the competitors will do what they call least cost formulas. So what they do is they watch the commodities and depending on commodity costs, they will fluctuate the formula based on commodity costs to keep their margin. Mm. So they will maintain that level in their, on their label, but, but with how different they're getting products. there yeah. varies. Yes. And, and, and that's, and what will happen is in the captive deer world, those deer are so picky that they will detect that through odor and taste sometimes when it happens, and they will not eat that thing. That's what I've learned through time. And I imagine it may happen you know, with some of my clients that are what I call free range um, that supplement. And uh, so you've got to be careful because just looking at a label, if you put mine against the others, I could show you 10 labels, and they'd all look very similar. But as a consumer, you don't know which one's using the highest quality ingredients, so that product's going to stay inside that animal. Which, which ingredient combination are they absorbing, retaining the most nutrient value? Because during this time for antler growth, if, if they're still fighting infection or getting beat up during the rut, their, their system, if it's not high-quality browse that they're getting or supplement, they're going to still be fighting the damage from the rut and not get appropriate antler growth, where if they're getting better quality nutrition absorption from a better product, chances are they recovered from that, antler growth has started, and they're doing, you know, they're running their normal course. So just holding up a label to a label saying, oh, this guy's product's the same exact thing, that's not true. So there's no way to really figure that out, though, for the consumer, unfortunately. How, I mean, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this question, but how important is this time of the year right now when it comes to being able to provide, you know, some type of supplementation for, for your animals? Um, I, I talked to Dr. Harry, I had, cause I knew I was talking to you today and I had an at length conversation about the same thing and where we are now with our moisture, cause it's similar to human and you know this from diet, the more you know, you post more things about eating clean, you know, than anyone I've ever seen. So you know the importance of the food you have around you in grocery stores and the importance of eating clean. And no matter what pill or whatever you take, if you can maintain that quality diet, that's going to help big time. So no different than the pellet in, in supplementing. Right now, for us, we've had ample amount of moisture moisture. So like Dr. Harry said, there's a ton of forbs out there right now. There's clovers coming up like crazy right now. We've had really nice spring rains. Yep. So a majority of their diet is most likely going to come from their available browse, which is plentiful at this moment. So they may not hit the, the, uh, the mineral as heavy as they would if we were a little bit drier, 
not as much available browse. It's not the answer. It's just part of the part of the equation. So if you're in an area right now that it's dry, you don't have the the available browse. Well, then that's when this stuff would shine. But if they're they're select browsers, so they know what they need. So if they knew the mineral was there, and um, it was inadequate browse, then they're going to return more often to to get the mineral. But like right now, they're probably not hammering it because we have so much succulent succulent browse out there for them that they probably don't need it quite as much as normal. So it just kind of depends what region you're in and what you're lacking, what they're getting from that available browse, that'll send them to the mineral depending on what they're lacking and how often they hit that mineral based on what you're lacking. Yeah. What, does, that um, sound, does, that understand, does that sound right? Yeah, well, I Am hope I so. Sense there? It makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I it's no different okay. than... Um, you know, it's no different than I might have, you know, I might have some, some really good, uh, some really good groceries in, in my, in my Yeti in the back of my truck. And that's probably what I'm going to hit first. But, you know, if there's, if there's something else available somewhere else, I have to get it. That's what I'll do if I don't have that. So they're going to, they're going to take what's easy, you know, what's easy for them. Um, and what's, you know, fresh and green, but in the same sense, I think, if you're, if, especially if you're a small to a mid-sized landowner, um, if you're doing this stuff year-round, you also start to develop habits where you know this becomes Correct. part of their routine. So you know they have those routines that they do, and they may go by. You know, I, I have I have deer that that drink at my water tanks all the time, and it's not they they develop that habit during that two-year drought that we had. Um, so, you know, the, they were fawns and they started to learn to just go up, take it, you know, take a drink, you know, on their, on their way, like through certain areas where I have water. And even though there's fresh water running through the creeks, they'll still hit the water in those tanks. Um, just as, because that, that kind of became part of their, you know, just part of their routine. So the same is true when it comes to, to minerals, um, or, you know, or even supplementation if you're putting a protein or something like that out. Um, what if, if hey people... too, John, I think your, your listener, your listener too, it's, you know, people, people get obsessed with the word baiting, you know, and, and that's why I am, I'm, I'm not, I'm, yeah, I'm, I, 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 I don't, don't really like that I've word too much time and effort. Yeah. I don't, I don't like it either. But to me, baiting is for the guy that no matter what comes in, he anticipates killing that animal. And and to your to your listeners, that's why I think your dynamic fits for us. They understand that there's a huge difference between nutrition and baiting. Um, when the animal eats this thing, most likely you're not killing that. There's only a few animals, and I'll be honest with you, most of our clients do not kill around this stuff they will and i had a long conversation with the manager at the yeti ranch they use it more for doe control and population control and culling than they do they they don't want a gun to go off near these stations because the 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 population knows that that's not a good place to go if there's guns going off so they're smart yeah absolutely so they don't hunt over this per se they use it as a just what it is nutritional value to their animal 
for a healthy herd to help with skeletal growth, rumen function, reproduction. That's why they use it. They don't sit over it with a stand waiting to whack the first thing that comes to it. That's not the intent. In fact, if you told them, hey, you can't hunt within 100 yards of this, it wouldn't matter because they're using it for the value of the nutrition, not the harvest. So if you look at it from non-harvest perspective, it helps understand the whole dynamic of how this can be beneficial. But if you're looking at it from the sense of, hey, will it increase my chances that if I only hunt for two or three days this year, I'll have a chance to whack something? Well, then you're not doing it for the right reasons, and, and that's not the customer I'm trying to target. I want the big picture, and like I said, that's what's that's why I appreciate you know what you do and, and your listeners because I think they can see the big picture, and and I know all of them don't have budgets for that. So if they're going to purchase something from me, I want them to make. I, I want to be able to go to bed at night knowing they've got the very best product they can afford with their budget and their size land that any animal they're not going to shoot but they want to maintain on their property will get the utmost nutritional value and, you know, hopefully turn out to be the biggest animal they ever shot if they wait four and a half, five and a half, six and a half years. That, that's the whole goal behind this for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know you're super passionate about it and it's not, it's not like you're, uh, you're driving around a Mercedes cause you're selling this stuff. I know that you're, you know, you talk, <laughs> you talk to people because you talk to these guys and you found some of these researchers um, with this information and with information that really just hasn't got out there because it didn't really matter to the to the bulk companies that are that are really just trying to flip big margins. Um, so you've asked mm-hmm. some of the questions that have led to some of these formulas that aren't necessarily the most cost productive from a company's point of view, but they are the most they are the most productive when it comes to what the intent is and that's you know overall health and growth well i've got a few questions so i've been listening to you no different than what i hope my you know my listeners are listening to at you know and obviously there's probably listeners today that you know that are out that aren't in the whitetail area um and you know some of you may you know some of you may or may not have been turned off by the fact we talked about a deer feed um, because I don't like the word baiting either. I'm not a bait advocate. Um, you know, I don't like, I don't like baiting and stuff, you know, literally coming to a, to a bait station, so to speak. And then that's where you're, you're doing your hunting, but I certainly want to be able to hunt where the animals have the, the maximum potential horn growth and that even during a drought year or a year where um you know you have you know for example out in montana there's certain years where it's so dry that you know the alfalfa fields just really aren't growing and during those years you can easily notice the average whitetail having a difference you know maybe as much as 10 inches um, even the elk, you know, mm-hmm. you look at you look at elk out west on years where they're not getting the early rains, the elk horn growth is much less than the years where they get these great spring rains, and it's really the same thing. So I've got a few questions here. I want to ask you a question. I've got four that I've written down while you've been talking, and um, I just want to ask these because I don't know, and I also want to you know hear the answer, and hopefully my uh, maybe my my listeners 
are kind of having the same question. So one of my questions was, have you actually um, put a true test of this, like in the confined, like especially in deer that are in confined, um, you know, some of the breeder type situations where you actually can monitor what does this do to maximize horn growth or what type of growth difference can people can people expect? Yeah, that, that's a tricky question, John, yeah. only from the perspective of, and yeah, talking to already... Dr. Harry, you would need, you would need twins, oh, yeah. okay, you would need, tw- and he's done it from a protein perspective of different levels of protein and stuff, but that's why there's not a lot of scientific data in our industry because the cost and, and the way it would have, so I would have to get, I would have to get fallen that had twin bucks. Okay, I would have to put them in side-by-side pens, and I would have to monitor them for five and a half years to give it a fair assessment. You know, so there hasn't been a ton done, and and especially um, from the perspective of that, who knows, there might be a little more grass and browse in the one pen than the other because there might be more shade. You know, so it's so difficult that's why I deal with these companies that have been around for 75 years. Uh, and everyone probably, I mean, the Diamond Vs of the world and the Zinpros of the world, they've been, they've been doing this stuff for 75, 80 years. So those are the companies that I pull from because to say that I've done my own study, everyone I talked to was like, it would be, it's nearly impossible. But Dr. Harry's done, that's why I hired him immediately, the 32 years he's done the studies because they all ask me that question. Okay, so if I have a 150-inch deer this year, he eats your pellet, what's he going to be next year? Well, uh, how much rain are you going to get? There's there's so many variables that it, it's difficult to say. I'd yeah. love to tell you 20 inches. You know, in some years it might. Some years, like early on, we talked about this yesterday, they're, so, they're still one and a half, two and a half, they're still doing skeletal growth on the inside. So in turn, there's not as much emphasis on the rack those first couple of years because their internal skeletal system's working. So can I tell you it's helping the internal skeletal system and their overall health? Absolutely. But how that reflects a measurable difference on top of their head, I can't tell you. I wish I could, and no one can. Yeah, I appreciate it's your not, honesty. It's not measurable. That. I appreciate yeah, your honesty. No one can guarantee you're going to put 20, year, 20 inches on them. I'd love to tell you I could. If they do, they're lying. Well, do I know that my product has an influence on that? Absolutely. To what degree? There's too many variables for me to guarantee you a number. Well, especially for your listeners, because I bet there's not many of them that are breeders. Well, not you know, not, not whitetail breeders, not whitetail breeders. I got some horny yeah. listeners. <laughs> <laughs> when you brought up a good point about. Environment too, because the horns will be lighter and they're more brittle. So during drought years, you'll see more breaking off too. And if you go shed collecting, you'll notice a difference in the weight of the antler as well. Yeah, I've always wondered that. I found a couple sheds up in. Um, uh, I found a some really good sheds up in certain parts of Canada, and I swear it feels like it's a foam, like a damn foam horn off my Mackenzie target. But then I've I've mm-hmm. had years where I found a shed that's not near as big but the sucker is so dense i always wondered you know what really causes the variation in that how porous it is yeah yeah that's nutritional and, and vitamins and minerals really that has a big effect on that yeah 
That's awesome. Yeah, well, in Diamond V, you can go to their website and you can see the when they when they fall out, you can see the it, look at the pedicle and they'll show you a horn from a healthy diet and a horn from an unhealthy diet. You can see a difference in the, just from looking at it from the pedicle side. Really, the difference on the inside. Hmm. That's awesome. We need yep. to get those pictures. We need to get those pictures so we can put them up. Um, well, I've had years, I will say this, I have had years where I've made a commitment to feeding protein. And during those years that I feed protein, I've certainly, without a shadow of a doubt, I've noticed difference in the upper end horn growth with deer in all areas, you know, cause I don't, I don't just hunt one place. I knock on doors and I try to get permission way more places than I'd ever need. So, you know, in those places, I really feel I like, I'm a big advocate of, um, of game cameras. I'm a big advocate of, you know, doing some homework and really knowing what's there and knowing what animals are mature and what ones act more mature. You know, a lot of times, um, some, some animals, they show their dominance pretty well around, you know, you can see that in, in, uh, around game cameras. And I know that during the years uh-huh. where I've made that investment, I've definitely seen better top end bucks and I've seen like bigger jumps in horn growth. I know that for more, but can I tell you how much I can't really tell you how much cause they do, you know, obviously deer are getting age, but I can say that that a lot of my deer, um, and part of the reason why I was, you know, really open to you telling me this much stuff when you and I first talked was because I actually went through a spurt of about two years where I wasn't doing anything except maybe putting out some salt blocks. I just wasn't doing anything at all. And especially, um, after that EHD year, I was like, I got to get back into providing some type of supplementation because I feel like these things with the the biggest drought in history, um, or I think whatever it was in like 75 years or something, but you know, the biggest drought, a lot of them, most of them died, you know, from EHD. And it's like, how do I, how do I make that, that bounce back? Because the year after that, everything just looks so gaunt. And I know it's made mm-hmm. a big, I know it's made when I, when I supplement, I know that it makes a difference, but you know, there's a difference between supplementing with a salt block or supplementing with, you know, or a, a, a filler, you know, something that's junky or supplementing with something that actually has a true absorption value. So, um, okay. So my next question here is what can people like, how much, how much is it going to cost for people to kind of get into different, um, you know, different types of products with you? Because there's there's really um, there's really two two products that are that are definitely um, economical. They're actually the two that I started with. The first being the mineral, and then the second, which we haven't really talked about very much, is the liquid. Which the liquid is is kind of in a whole different league of its own. So we need to kind of just talk about how much can people get into this for. Um, and I guess on the, I have a question. My next question was equal to that is um, based on what, you know, people get into, what is the proper way to set that up? Like how do you, you know, what is the best way to put it out 
depending on which of these products you go with. So I'll let you answer those questions for me. Okay. In the wild, from what we, from all the studies that we have, a deer in the wild is roughly going to eat two and a half pounds a day. So obviously with, with, with the browse and the moisture that we have, there's a little more growth out there, so that might be less. In dry times, it might be a little bit more. So as a deer manager or someone wanting to manage their property, if you know you have 10, 15 deer roaming your property, you can calculate that two and a half pounds a day roughly is going to be consumed. Now, it's climbing right now from the does. Um, we have a 16% pellet only from the does. They need that right now, and their, their consumption's going up. So my calls lately, and it happens every time this part of the year in our region, consumption's going like crazy because the does are hammering. So, but as a deer manager wanting to put a budget together, figure two and a half pounds per day per head. And then you can calculate what your monthly consumption is going to be and then yearly. But then guys say, well, I don't want to feed it yearly. What's optimal? Well, optimal is yearly. But what if I don't have the budget for that? I would say from the time velvet shed occur, or from what time the fall off or just before, because they're storing calcium, magnesium, and phosphorus during those times, then the horns fall off and they pull from that reserve. So if you could do it right before uh, the horns fall off until the does are done lactating because there's a bunch of stuff in the premix and in the pellet to help the, the milk production, but not only the production of milk, but when the fawn eats it, I put a lot of stuff in there for their immune system and skeletal growth. So the milk she gets from that mother is off the charts nutritious so that I can get her off the ground on her feet to avoid predation as well. So it would be, those would be the optimals if you were on a budget, you know, but the, the, the guys only think about the buck, but you gotta, you gotta consider that, that doe as well. And, and what she's going through during, you know, during fawning. So that's how I would build my budget based off consumption. Optimal are guys want to pour it on the ground or sling it out of a, a slinger. I don't recommend that because it turns more into a contamination station. If you throw that stuff on the ground, who knows how many possums, coons, what's going to come up there and excrete, and now you got start of contamination. Well, the less contamination and the cleaner that environment I can have, the, the least chance for spreading any kind of disease or, or anything like that. So I would recommend more of a uh, what they call a gravity feeder, free choice gravity feeder sits above the ground, optimal from what we know is 40 to 42 inches from the spout to the ground. The coons can't get it. At 42, it would have to be the biggest coon on the planet to grab the base of that protein feeder and scrape that protein out because that's the other concern is how do I keep the coons off? Well, get that spout to 42 inches, and those coons aren't going to grab your protein. So I recommend, John, anything gravity flow that's not spinning that they can come in and get at their will. Also, what a lot of guys don't think about, how I aim those spouts on that feeder is every customer that comes to me, I do not allow them to point a feeder towards the southwest. All our rainstorms come from the southwest, move northeast. So if I can keep moisture out of that spout, that's least chance for caking and them having to go out 
and clean out that feeder. So consider consider that as well. You know, which which direction are my storms coming? I don't want the spout pointed in that direction. I do use mold inhibitors, and I do make a water repellency pellet, but it doesn't matter, and that's included. I don't upcharge like the competitor for any of that stuff. I feel like it's my obligation to make sure that pellet has some water repellency to it and doesn't get, with moisture, it doesn't swell. But if it does pour, it's going to get, it's going to swell, and you're going to have to clean it out. So... I would prefer a free choice feeder that doesn't spin, that they can come and go as they please with a spout not pointed to the southwest. Well, that's actually something I've, yeah, that's something I've never, ever even thought of. I mean, but, yeah, it makes total freaking sense, I guess. Uh, yeah, I don't like to spin it because, like I said, if I can keep the investment, it's too, I tell guys I wouldn't throw stakes on the ground, so don't throw my pellet on the ground. <laughs> it's just not good. It breaks it down. I have too much time and effort into that thing to know that you're letting it lay on the ground. But some guys, you know, and there's different price point options for gravity feeders. You can get, you know, you can get a 200 or 300 pound gravity feeder from anywhere from 285 bucks to, you know, whatever you want to spend. So I, I know everyone's budget conscious and I am too, but I can't do it compromising quality. Yep. Yeah, what um, I've had companies ask me to build a cheaper pellet, and and I can't build any what we would call an econo premix, but I refuse to do it. Yeah, I, I can't do business with them because I can't get them their margin. Yeah, what so I, um, I can't do retail side with some of these people. So you talk specifically right then about mainly um, making a setup based on the pellet, but what about you know what's what's like yep. the, what's the cost? You know, let's talk about let's talk about the the liquid and the mineral because that's where I started. Cost wise, that's where I had to start. Um, so let's talk about you know mm-hmm. cost of that, and then also you know for for both of those, what you know again, what is the best way to set those up? You know, what's the best way to put those out? Um, and like you said, the right or wrong way because you definitely taught me something already on the pellet side, and that's what that's actually kind of my next step is I'm going to be going to the pellet, and I actually am going to be documenting um, with my stealth cams um, how those pellets are, and I think we talked about even doing like a um, like a mobile uh, a mobile camera site where those pictures are just being loaded um, onto my website where people can kind of see stuff come and go. Uh, which would be pretty cool, but um, yeah, talk about the liquid, um, and then obviously I think the mineral is a must. Um, I think for my listeners, yeah, the mineral we're still in. The, I would say in the mineral. Uh, I think our regional con. We have you testing, and um, so there's there's what we call loose or granulated mineral that once again, if you had it in your hand, you'd, it'd look like sand. It'll have a really nice aroma to it because obviously scent is is a stimulant that you can get them more interested in it based on scent. So it's scented. It has some attraction from that perspective. Um, And then we have a liquid. Um, The liquid's been around because breeders came to me and asked me if I could help them with a nutritional liquid to pour on for palatability reasons because they feed via trough. And sometimes they medicate um, in that pellet with some liquid medications, uh, cause they don't like to needle them, put them down and give them all the vaccines. So 
that started me out, well, I don't want to just make a regular molasses. Everybody's doing that already. That's no fun. What can I do? So then I started working on what, what from a nutritional perspective can I get that will suspend in this mineral so the client doesn't have to worry about shaking it all the time or that the liquid, the nutrients might settle. So I started talking to all my geeks and I was like, let's go after this, but let's make it off the charts nutritional. So I did the Zinpro Trace Vitamin and Mineral Pack, which is most of my competitors will use that. That's the, the very best um, highly absorbent trace mineral pack there is in the industry. So I have that in, and then I went for rumen function. What else can I put in here to help with the rumen and the animal's gut to help with absorption? So I went with these yeast products that are in there that will suspend. So basically, John, it's like a um, it's like the Onnit um, Total Primate Care liquid form that I was having them pour on pellet, and then they could hide their and it has molasses in it. So it looks like a runny snicker bar, but with the total primate care, um, uh, vitamin and nutrition pack in it. And so some of these guys were pointing in the woods to see how it would do on deer in the wild. And they're calling me going, I'm seeing deer in places that I've never seen. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm just pouring your liquid out on a stump. Well, then my business partner was like, why don't we take advantage of that? So then we put it in a, in a, in a jug because I was like, well, how can I get it? So if a guy wanted to put in a fanny pack or a backpack with an adjustable nozzle, he could pour some out, test it in different areas, and then put it in his backpack or his fanny pack and get it out there so he doesn't have to worry about carrying it in because as an archer, how many things are you already carrying in? You know, you don't want to deal with that. So if I could get this in a – so it's in a bladder. You can screw the top and you can pour it on a stump or you can pour it – like I said, I'm not a huge fan of ground. Yeah, okay. You can. Yeah. I'm just not a huge fan of ground. I just don't like what it can lead to from a contamination. Because for us, too, the hogs, they'll excrete there, you know, and they like it. So I would pour it on a stump, and these guys are saying that they're licking and eating the stumps and, and all that. So they're using it as an attractant, but it's over off the charts as an attractant. So once again, my, my take on it is, when animal they're not killing, if they're using that station, they're leaving there with better health than when they got there. And they're most likely going to return because they like it. So it can be poured on a stump. It can be poured on the pellet. Um, some guys will put, um, uh, where it's legal, they'll put corn or pellet in a five-gallon bucket. They'll pour the liquid on that. And then depending on how many deer are coming to that, so let's say I have four, four or five deer coming in at a time, they'll make independent stations with spacing because you know there's a, a domination pecking order when those deer come in. So their thought is let's make five or six piles for five or six deer so they can all come in, have enough space, and all have their own pile. Right. Rather than the dominant buck coming in, eating the entire thing. So that's how they're the various ways they're using it. They're using it as a coating on on a corn, pellet, um, rice bran, whatever you can think of. They're pouring it on that way, stirring it around, and pouring it on piles. The breeders are putting it on a pellet as high higher level of pellability, and they're eating more of it. And like I said, from my side, it's off the charts as an attractant. There's it's 
really good from a nutritional perspective. Skeletal rumen and reproduction, there's stuff in that liquid to help with all that. Now, you said on a stump. So you're saying just if you see an old dead stump poured on there, or can you just like go out if you have down timber, can you just cut a block and, you know, stand a block up, kind of like, you know, like making a campfire stool type thing and pour it on that? Yeah, you could. And I'll send you pictures of the client in Louisiana or in uh, Mississippi. I think I may, I'll send to you today. But what you'll see is he took stumps from in his, his area and he cleaned out where the root structure hits the ground. There's those pockets because of irregularity root structure in the ground. Right. He'll dig out those pockets and he'll pour the liquid on the top and it seeps down into those pockets where the root structure is and the irregular parts of the ground and it sits in there. And they'll start pawing that. So they'll lick the tree, they'll lick the stump, and then they'll paw the ground to get more. And he'll just refresh it a few times throughout the year. And I'll show you, I'll send you some pictures you can post for your viewers of what these areas look like. It's ridiculous. Okay. How they've torn up this area. What? Um, so your viewers can see it. And that's how he's using it. So what? what's the cost on the liquid? Uh, that's on our website. Um, you can get, it, it comes in, it's heavy. So it's five and a half pounds per pouch. And I think it's like, uh, you'll have to go to our website. I think you can get two pouches for like 20 or 25 bucks. Yep. yep. And that includes freight. Right, right. That's awesome. Yeah, because I remember when you and I first talked, I kind of looked, I, I remember looking at the prices then. And I got a whole bunch at the beginning last year. Um and I definitely don't remember stuff after about a day. I forgot it. But, yeah, it's cool uh-huh. that, that um, you guys have, you know, free shipping on it. Like like he said, it comes in a like a plastic bladder, so you can actually take it out with you, um, you know, this time of year. If you're shroom hunting or if you're shed hunting or something, you can go out and start some of these um, sites, uh, which would be really good. And, obviously, and, John, if you know your travel, if you know your travel corridors, um, I, it, it's not going to, you know, some people say put out in the middle of, no, that's not, it's not, you know, they need to, they need to know somewhat the property and, and the travel corridors and it'll obviously increase the frequency of which they travel. They get to know it and they continue to return to it as long as you, depending on rain, obviously, then the more rain you have, the more frequently you may have to go freshen up the area, <laughs> but then you could come back over it. For if you wanted to put the granulated, you could put the granulated mineral on the stump and then coat it with this liquid, and now you really have an incredible uh, mineral station. Now, what are you doing with the mineral? What's going to be the cost on that? I know we want to have some, uh, I'll post some of these videos um, on the YouTube channel, and I'll post some of the problem is our vi- the videos that you and I filmed were a little bit longer than what I can put on Instagram. So I can put them on Facebook, and then I can put them on the Knock on TV um, YouTube account, and I'll do that here. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, you know, hopefully by the time I get this podcast out, so people can check that out. Um, and one thing we haven't even said: so if you're interested in um, this stuff that that EJ started, you have to go to GarlandAnimalWellness.com. So it's G A R L A N D, then Animal Wellness. Dot com so garland animal well, wellness.com and i've actually been hashtagging or you know 
tagging you guys in several of the different things that I've done over the past year. And probably people are probably looking at it like, what the heck is that? Well, this is what it is. Um, you know, for those of you listening, hopefully by now you know that if I'm going to talk about something, and certainly if I'm going to have someone on the podcast, um, it's going to be something that I that I 100% trust or I'm super interested in, um, or it's you know someone that's that's been a friend for long enough that I know it's you know people are going to be able to uh, see benefit from it. And you know the other thing we had talked about was you know making sure that. Um, for the mineral and for sure the liquid is in a price range that you know the people that are listening can that I feel like the majority of them are going to be able to do without without a problem um, so well too John our website is not it's not a sales pitch so it, what I think your your viewer or listener would benefit from our website is I we took a lot of time in getting credible people to talk about different areas of deer health so they can click on, because um, I said when you get there and you click on it, it's not going to be overwhelming from the perspective of jamming product down your throat. I'd rather them navigate the website, click on some of the links or the the the, the uh, videos that we shot, and let them get educated as well, so they understand a little bit more maybe of what you and I are talking about. If even if they don't buy anything from me, I'd love for them to get more educated because that'll help them understand the dynamic of what's going on in a, in a whitetail buck and doe's life and how their system works and why we do what we do and how we do it. So um, I think it's a really cool website for learning, and that, that was my goal when I developed the website. Yeah, the, the, the Instagram page um, is, is, Jesus, look at the size of that freaking snake. Is that real? Well, that looks, that's 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 photoshopped. Yeah, that, that I rap, avoid snakes. Yeah, I avoid freaking snakes like the plague, man. I hate those freaking things. Um, well, hey, dude, this is I'm gonna. We've kind of got some people. They, you know, people are probably um, gonna be able to do some research of their own. I'll get some of these videos posted. Um, uh-huh. Like I said, I'm honestly telling everyone listening. I've got I've got this stuff that I'm fully committed to, no different than than you know when I started started using supplements myself for my own health. Um, I'm fully committed to this because I know that during the years where you know maybe not everything is um, is perfect in the wildlife world for nutrition. I know this makes a huge difference and. I know there's a lot of people out there that are just, you know, getting to the point where they're starting to lease their first properties, buy their first small property pieces, or if you're, especially if you're a big, you know, if you are a big landowner person, which I can't personally relate to, but if you are a big landowner person and you really put some serious investment time um, into into that, then you should certainly contact EJ. He's got a wealth of knowledge and, uh, he's going to be a, you know, a super beneficial person for you to, um, maybe talk about implementing a full program on your place, uh, which you do for a lot of very big clients. You actually more or less do the complete nutrition management for places, but 
you know, for me, I can't really relate to that so much, but um, what, if someone out there is wanting to talk with you about, you know, full management on their place each, do you have an email or something people should, should contact you at? Yeah, and they can go to our website and track me down that way, but I also use Dr. Harry has disciples in Texas, Mississippi. I have mil- I have 10 mills now that span from Savannah, Georgia, uh, all the way across the southeast to three in Texas, two in Kansas, one in Oklahoma. So I, I can cover that region now as far as plants uh, and mills that will build our pro- pellet to our specs with our proprietary premix, but I also have deer um, biologists that if needed I can ask them to make a site visit and they will go down and help and I usually meet them there and um, we'll walk the property and try to get the landowners see what his goals are what his interests are what his budget is and see if we can work within that plan to help maximize the deer herd uh, the health of the deer herd so can we do yeah, that? They just want to reach me through my website. Can yeah. you can you and I do that? Yeah. You know, here on like some of my places, we need to kind of look around and see some of the different things, and then you know let you kind of show where you would set up um, protein sites, maybe, and then also sure. probably mineral sites. That would be really cool to do if we can do that here in the next month or two before you know, especially during maximum growth season, would be important for me. Um, for those of you listening, I just looked it up. Um, info at Garland Animal Wellness is uh, the contact number um, if you want to get a hold of these guys. Super cool. And we talked about once we really develop a, a super cool um, mineral, like an actual pour-out mineral, we were talking about doing kind of a knock-on nation version of that. And then, you know, especially coming up with a price that's going to be affordable for people, we still... You guys still kicking that around for me, EJ? Yes, and, and like I said, John, I can't emphasize it. Affordable from the perspective, it's going to be top quality. No, no, none of that garbage fillers, highest absorption product we can at a reasonable cost. That's what we're finalizing with you right now. What's the sweet spot for cost? And so, yes, we're 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 very close to completion on all that. And just a little more time with you, and we should have it done very soon. Yeah, and that'll be really good. So all of you out there will obviously be the first to know. And, um, yeah, next time we need to do a follow-up on some of this, and then we need to get into some uh, some more uh, mental stuff. You've been you've been at some pretty pretty damn big golf tournaments here lately, Ege, with some of your some of your uh, students I've seen. So yeah, it was good. Kevin Tway finished. Uh, like third or fourth in the Texas Open last week, and then I was with his dad on the senior tour in Branson, which was not terrible because it was sponsored by Bass Pro, and and they do a heck of a job. And I was actually able to engage in conversation with uh, Gary Player, who, you know, being in golf my whole life is obviously an idol of mine. And we uh, we had some really cool talk discussions about. Ben Hogan in the rounds he had with him. So it was an awesome week. And then Davis Love came up to me and started talking to me about deer feed. And so I'm trying to get Davis Love. He's a deer manager. Yeah. Very passionate. Davis Love the third. Steve Stricker. Yeah. Davis yeah. Love was talking to me and Steve Stricker. But Strick's in an area where he's in Wisconsin where you can't really do any of this because he was wondering if I could help him. So I'm trying to get. Uh, is Davis still Davis in stuff S- all day yesterday? Is he still in Carolinas or something? I'm trying to remember. 
he's up at Sea Island, but he has some property in Georgia that he's been managing for a long time, and he oh, yeah. he does all the he has the biologists with the age structure. They take photos. They they tell their kids what to shoot, what not to shoot. So he's really really into it. He just doesn't have enough time between ex Ryder Cup captain and and his schedule. Um, he's a very passionate archer, though. Yeah, yeah. One day you'll we'll get we'll try to get him on. I actually, he loves it. I actually met him years ago. Um, he probably won't remember, but I was with uh, I was with Bill Jordan, and he was there. We were there with another buddy of mine, Keith Jennings, and he actually um, he sent me a camo signed golf bag, a real tree golf bag. Uh huh. So he's a huge barbecuer too, Duds. He's the uh-oh. ultimate guest. He loves to cook. Dude, I was okay. talking to him about the new Traeger stuff too. Yeah, well, we're gonna end up having a freaking three-hour podcast if we get on that subject. I'm, I'm <laughs> geeking, I'm geeking out right now about f- f- cooking, man. I, I'm so excited. Um, I actually, people have been. Really I went at- to that DVQ school. Oh, did you go did see? I, DVQ? I went to that DVQ cooking school. How was it? Yeah, it was fantastic. It was competition, ribs, chicken, uh, brisket, and pulled pork. And she, she was fantastic. She said something to me uh, that was pretty enlightening. I said, yeah, I'm pretty passionate about it. She goes, passion without, without work ethic is nothing. <laughs> That's what she told me. Right off the bat, I was like, whoa, okay, this, this lady's very serious. Oh, dude. So, she's Yeah, she has the perfect name. DivaQ is like absolutely perfect for her. Yeah, you're never going to forget that. Once you say it once. You'll never forget DivaQ, like as a reference, and yeah. her cookbook's fantastic. Yeah, she actually asked me to uh, to do um, a couple recipes in her new one, which wow. is which is pretty flattering. Yeah, yeah. She, so that'll that yeah that'll be awesome. And uh, yeah, there's some some really super super exciting things coming on the. I just I'm so I'm so happy that I'm able to do things that I'm passionate about. I mean, you know, I'm super getting into food and especially the fact that it's actually making me want to hunt more. Like, you know, I, if I'm going to be honest with everyone, there came a point where because I was hunting so much for TV, for the TV side, it got to the point where I was like, okay, am I going to be able to consume all this? Um, whereas since literally since buying my first Traeger and then now I've like Traeger's pretty much just embracing the fact of how I'm geeking out about cooking and they're like bringing me to these classes with people like Chad Ward or DivaQ or I think Bam Bam was at one and um, I'm just seeing these things my one really good buddy um, that I met he's a he's a cool dude Um, you need to you actually need to follow him I'm gonna give him a shout out right now so his, if you want to look him up, I'll actually post a picture of him and I'll tag him today. Um, but his name is Jonathan Douglas, and um, it's Jonathan Douglas OC. Um, he's an executive chef, I guess, um, or I don't know what OC means. What does OC mean? But his food, it looks ridiculous, and he's actually wanting to. Um, he really specializes in in venison too. So um, I met him there, and 
a lot of a lot of these guys are all going to collaborate with me in in um, a new video project that I'm going to be doing called Knock to Fork, and Yeti and um, Traeger have officially jumped in headfirst and said we'll back this 100%. So um, for this next year, my hunts are actually going to be documented. Um, in a true knock to fork format of the hunt followed by um, you know full processing and then you know consumption for the cool recipe so i'm like we need to do the consumption at one of my tailgates that yeah. Oklahoma state games we need to come down and put it on the smoker and do one from the tailgate we do well, a big bull out there i wonder if, if there's a osu game right during the time where we'll be down for deer season or something let's do that that would be awesome. Yeah, that'd be fun. So um, yeah, we can do that. Cool. Well, hey man, I appreciate everything so much, and make sure you guys check out um, EJ's his uh, his true passion. It's Garland Animal Wellness. Um, great people. Can't say enough about it. Um, I've been, I've I'm sold. I drank the Kool Aid, so I'm 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 believer now. So I'm going to share it with everybody and. Hopefully all of you out there can benefit from it and uh, all that good stuff. So we'll we'll have you back because you and I need to talk talk some more archery too. Um, and hope well, actually. Well, I you, appreciate it. Yeah, when you come up here, because um, I know you're you're going to be getting a new Hoyt soon. You need to come up and we'll get that thing set up and then we'll uh, we'll kind of let you do your evaluation on 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 um, a couple of the different places that I get to hunt up here and then. Um, yeah, we'll maybe do a live feed doing some archery stuff. That'd be great. Well, too, John, we're, we're excited about the, um, the relationship too. And I'm, I'm excited to be honest with you about the criticism because it's the criticism that allows us to improve and continue to move in the right direction and keep us motivated to, to continue to get better. So, with your listeners, as educated and passionate they are, and the guys that you hang around with, I'm very excited about the criticism. So, and the and the the guys' return on investment as well. So I can handle both sides. Uh, and like I said, I'm looking forward to it, and I appreciate you having me on. Look forward to doing it in the future. Oh yeah, sounds good, dude. Well, I appreciate it so much, and uh, knock on everybody. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. knockonarchery.com